Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and no Ron Martin. So, Pipe, I think I think the issue is that Ron is no longer traveling and he's back home and he's all he's completely disoriented. I think the the act of being back in Ashland and not having a conference or a retreat to go to has has thrown our boy. So uh, we're going to have to do some some tech savvy things between now and next week so that we can um, consistently get Big R on the air. But Piper, I would have thought that the tech problem would have been on my end because you're not going to believe where I am. Um, this is this is travel that's like not quite as lavish as the kind of travel that Ron Martin engages in from week to week. But I'm in Lineville, Alabama. Um, so Lineville, Alabama is sort of middle of nowhere, Alabama. And I'm at a, a homeschool academic To, to camp. be fair, that's a bit redundant. Yeah, it is, man. And dude, it, it, let, me, let me run some of the Bayou Pipe. As an upper Midwesterner, and for myself as a former upper Midwesterner, when I think of like Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, rural areas, I, I have quaint sort of homespun feelings. And I feel like the, the small towns are charming in some way. But I find a rural, small town, deep south to be like unspeakably terrifying. Yeah, like it, it scares me. Yeah, I picture, um, I picture a little albino boy playing banjo on a porch and then bad I, things happening to, to men on a canoe trip. I picture that too. I picture exactly that and, and especially the bad things. And as I'm driving my car, I'm thinking I, I really don't want to break down here. You know, like if I had to like pull over and call AAA – but kind of right where we are, it would it would freak me out. The, so the funny thing is that my mom grew up in small town Georgia, and I spent months and months there throughout my growing up years, and it was lovely. Like it was a lovely yeah. experience, but only that small town. Like any of yeah. the other ones, I have none of the same none of the same affinity for. Yeah, dude, it's kind of scary, and like my phone only works in like a really tiny sort of corner of the parking lot here, so. I have to stand in that really tiny corner if I want to do phone stuff. You go and pay, pace the one parking spot. I pace the one parking spot, and I'm actually kind of shocked that the internet's working. So uh, we need to capitalize on the internet working and get right into the business of this podcast. So uh, one of the things that I'm missing the most uh, about being here in in like third world homeschool camp is I miss Lagar's Roasters Coffee. Uh, I miss my my hot steaming cup of. Happy Ranch Signature Blend Lagaris Roasters Coffee. So if you have not done so already, go to LagarisRoasters.com. Avail yourself to uh, the best coffee that you've ever tasted. And however, being here, Pipe, has made me think of Heck Lagaris. Like I could imagine Heck sort of like walking through the, the groves in like a tropical climate like this, inspecting coffee beans. So I wonder, I like I wonder if, uh, if Alabama is good coffee growing climate. Dude, I don't know. I don't know where they grow. Where do they grow coffee in the states? Does anybody know? Homeschoolers? Homeschoolers? Yeah, we don't know. In the in the room, we're uh, we're that's, yeah, we're at a that's loss. Your next, that's your next. That's your next 4-H project, kids. Absolutely. So, Piper, I should say that we have uh, we have a live studio audience today, and that we have my creative writing class. Um, we have five girls and Tristan. So, uh, my son Big T is the is the only other dude in the room besides me. I won't uh, embarrass him. I promise. Yeah, no, no. I think I've already embarrassed him enough for a lifetime in this class, but he's a good sport about it. He's doing great. My students are awesome. They're uh, they're they're truly amazing. All kidding aside, and uh, this has been really fun. But Piper, we have we have an actual paying sponsor this week, don't we? We have we have real business to talk about. So why do you lay that on us? We do. It is uh it is the the grand finale of our sponsorship by Renee Adelsberger promoting her podcast called Send Chocolate. So it's the Send Chocolate Show. If that's 
wherever you get your podcast from. You can search that. Um, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, I hope there are thousands upon thousands of you, but for the two of you who are actually here, um, Renee is... She's a writer, she's an author, she is now a podcaster, she's a teacher specifically in girls' ministry, and that's what this podcast is about uh, that she has started. It's conversations with other women who are teaching, serving, caring for uh, girls and young women in ministry, and so it's just all very, it's very conversational, uh, it's it's well-produced, and it's not a, um, so it's not like a teaching podcast, it's just, it's a it's a conversation between two women about what it takes to care for and serve young women as they serve them, as they minister to them. So it's called the Send Chocolate Show. Check it out. If you're a mom, if you are in, you know, a Sunday school teacher, a youth minister, this is going to be of benefit to you. So check that out. Pipe, what do you think it would look like if you and I hosted like a young women's podcast? How long do you think we would last? Do you think anyone uh, given, would listen? Given your audience, I think that's exactly what we're doing today, Ted. That's basically what I'm doing all week, to be honest. So we, we'll find uh, out is the answer to that question. It's going swimmingly so far, I think. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. So, uh, Piper, we have a lot of things to get into this week, and uh, we have some good topics. And, and honestly, we have some things that um, you and I almost always agree, because I think we, we see the world in a similar way, but... Um, we're going to talk about what we're reading and or movies that we've watched recently. And I think I'm going to have a hot take that, that you Ooh, may disagree with. I so like hot takes. A little, a little hot take, Teddy. It's a, it's a recurring segment. <laughs> so, uh, let's start there. Let's it, start it's a recurring with, segment that's never happened before. It's a recurring segment that's never happened before. So I'm teasing it as a segment, although I only have a hot take like once a year. So, uh, that's, you, re- you that's gotta, recurring. That's about as often as Christmas rolls around. So this is, this will exactly. be as special as that. So, Piper, what are you uh, reading or watching lately that, uh, that's been intriguing to you? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I went and saw the new Star Wars movie, um, uh-huh. Solo, a, a Star Wars story, and I yeah. will give it a, a thoroughly C-minus, uh, C-plus C+ rating. It was just mediocre. Yeah. And that's now, what, what was mediocre about it. Uh, that's what happens when you build a movie around an actor who is bad at acting. OK, who's the actor? I, I don't remember his name. That's part of the problem. Yeah. He was kind of a nobody. Apparently they had to give him acting classes so that wow. he could be ready for the role. But here's the problem. Like he probably would have been just sort of a like, you know, think like watching The Fast and the Furious or something like sure. that. You'd be like, oh, he could work in a, in a role like that. He could be Paul yeah. Walker ish you know, rest his soul. But, uh, but he's reprising the role of an iconic figure because Han Solo is, you know, he's sort of like the consummate swaggering space pirate. Um, and this guy was not a consummate swaggering anything. So it was just, that said, uh, the rest of the cast and the story and the, I mean, the rest of it was really good, but the lead actor was so mediocre that it dragged the whole movie down. Dude, I'm going to give you the ultimate example of an actor that's bad at acting in a movie that still totally works and holds up. Um, the movie is Speed with Keanu Reeves. Agree or disagree? Do, uh, wait, I, first of all, do we agree that he's bad at acting? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't realize that that was a debate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, I thought the question was about whether or not the movie held up. And I think it does because he... It's a little bit like The Matrix in that his his version of bad acting is ideal because he's just sort of like overwhelmed and 
overly dramatic in the wrong places, and he just sort of looks like somebody who's overwhelmed by everything that's happening around him, which is kind of perfect in speed because that's exactly how he should it's have an been. overwhelming circumstance. But yeah. yeah, there's something very like authoritative about him. Like if I'm on that bus, I feel better because Keanu Reeves is on it. You know what I mean? Also, it's the most charming Sandy Bullock has ever been. Agree or disagree with that vis-a-vis her being charming. <sighs> That's funny. I don't know that I would have used the word charming for that movie. Um, for her in that movie, though. Yeah, I mean, she's another one whose acting range is, you know, about the width of my thumb. So, um, <laughs> Hot take Piper. Yeah, I, I mean, it was at the peak of her stardom, I guess. She she has never moved the needle for me on any movie to either be like, wow, that was fantastic, or, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, you're never like, I'm watching a Sandra Bullock movie, you know? Um, yeah, I, t- I totally get that. So, okay, Pipe, here's my here's my movie-related hot take. And uh, I, I'm going to have to caveat this one to high heaven because I know this is a sensitive topic. But And you know where I'm coming from with this, so I think you'll give me the benefit of the doubt on it. But uh, I finally got around to watching Black Panther. Um, oh I watched Black Panther. Yeah, I watched Black Panther with the family. Um, I was very positively predisposed to it because I love Creed. I like Ryan Coogler. Um, I just like the idea of the movie. But I found it to be Piper, not necessarily a C minus, but like maybe a B minus. It was just a very kind of ho-hum, middle of the road Marvel movie to me. And the other thing that I found interesting about it was that it was quite obvious to me that Ryan Coogler loved Michael B. Jordan's villain character way more than he loved the protagonist. Um, In the sense that the villain was like far and away the most interesting part of that movie. And all of Chadwick Boseman's scenes were just sort of like, yeah, here's a guy. He's the good guy. Um, but Michael, Michael B. Jordan really lit it up when he was on the screen. So See, there's, um, here's, here's the thing. So Black Panther potentially suffers from the same thing that Batman does. And that okay. is that, Talk about that the costumed version, the sort of dark, mysterious, you know, butt kicker version is fascinating. Yeah. The, the alter ego has – now, granted – Black Panther doesn't keep his identity a secret um, in the same way that that uh, Bruce Wayne did. But the alter ego has to be sort of blasé because they don't want to yeah. draw attention to themselves. They're not like they're they're trying to maintain the role of, in one case, you know, billionaire businessman and in the other one, king of a country. Uh, and so they're they're just they they play it close to the vest. And so there's there's sort of an inherent boredom to them. Yeah. Piper, let me ask you this question vis-a-vis Black Panther as a movie. Now, I, I get that this movie is – I mean it's culturally bulletproof. You know what I mean? Like right. there, was a cer- there was a certain time period in which you were not allowed to find fault with a movie. Like maybe the most brilliant thing Ryan Coogler did was agreeing to do this movie because you know that no matter how you perform, it's going to be bulletproof. Um, have we – like has enough time elapsed that we're allowed to find fault with Black Panther? As long as, I just, as like, long as you have a, pro- my career. I think as long as you have a properly nuanced take. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. So uh, here, here is my nuanced take that I think I can get away with now. Um, yeah, lay it on. Michael B. Jordan was not the right guy to play that villain role. Is it because he's too charismatic and too awesome? It's he's a fantastic actor, and I've enjoyed him in just about everything I've seen him in. Is because he's yeah. not mean enough. 
Like, oh, fascinating. His, his he's got mean, a kind face, doesn't his he? His mean guy did not make me cringe. Like, yeah. that character did some awful things, and he's supposed to be sort of a terrifying, murderous dictator. Like, even the scene, you know, where he takes off his shirt and he has the marks all over him for everybody he's killed. It was kind of yeah. like, man, you got some acne problems. It was, it, it was you know, it was, it was much less persuasive than, uh, than a really dark villain. I feel like that, yeah. that could have been played by somebody who just who pulled off Sinister better. Yeah, no, I get that. And man. it's not because I dislike him. It's it's a little bit like imagining Tom Hanks trying to play a villain. Interesting. Like Tom Hanks is a you know Oscar award winning actor, critically acclaimed. He's played a variety of roles across the board. He's a nice guy though. He's got a nice guy face. Right, and you know so him him playing anybody who is sinister is like ah, I don't buy it. You know he's no. he's he's the neighbor guy. He's he's not that guy. Dude, I get that. I get that. That's actually a that's a really interesting take, and I think there's something to that because Michael B. Jordan is just so doggone likable. Yeah. You know, even the yeah, like you said, even the scenes where he's supposed to be like a really scary dude, you didn't quite buy it because of how likable he is. Um, Piper, what are you reading? Are you reading anything great right now? Reading anything great? Uh, I'm reading some things that I enjoy. I don't know that they would qualify as great. Well, one of them would. Um, I'm reading Heretics by Chesterton. Because oh, yeah. I've decided that this year I'm just going to mosey through a number of Chesterton books. And so this is my second or third this year. Kind of, They are moseying. I'm moving kind of slow. Uh, and simply because he's – nobody thinks like G.K. Chesterton. And uh, every time I read him, I'm just – I marvel at the way he gets to conclusions and the insights that he has, even if I think he's kind of insane sometimes. Um, yeah. So that that I'm thoroughly enjoying. But then I started reading a series of books. There's an author named Con Igledon, who's hmm. he deserves credit just because his name is Con Igledon, which is a great yeah. name. Um, it's a really good name. And it's he's a historical fiction author. So I'm reading one about the rise of Julius Caesar. It's a three book series. He did another one on the rise of Genghis Khan. That's really good. Uh, another series. So they're uh, they're just really fun historical fiction reads, but also you know, well-researched and sort of, if you like historical fiction and being sort of drawn to a different place and time, they're, they're really good. Hey, we're back. Uh, we're back after a little hamster wheel wireless, uh, snafu here in Lineville, Alabama. But, uh, Piper, you were telling us about a, uh, a new author that you're reading. I was, yeah. So the guy's name was Con Igledon. I don't know where the recording dropped earlier. So, um, but he, he's a historical fiction author, and he's written a, a few series of books. The one I'm reading now is about the rise of Julius Caesar. And uh, you, ha- you have to es- expect that somebody with a name like Con Igledon can, can tell a great story and be very adventurous. And that's kind of the nature of the story. So they're not, they're not real like detailed historical. They're much more uh, you know, heroic fiction, but set in a different time and place. And so um, they're just a lot of fun. Uh, so between Chesterton making my brain smarter and these making my summer more enjoyable, I'm I'm thoroughly uh, happy with what I'm reading right now. Dude, I want to have a look at Con Eagleden. Let's let's see what what. Yeah, I don't even know what, what he looks what like. Think? I've never looked him up. Dude, he looks like like your classic academic. Like if you were going to draw an academic. Really, um, I kind of hoped he would look like you know like a, your stereotypical National Geographic photographer or something. That's kind of what I had hopes for. Dude, no, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at a guy standing in front of a bookshelf with a huge goatee, like a, like an academic goatee and like an eyebrow cocked. With, like, with, like, like, a, like a Colonel Sanders goatee? 
Yes, like a Colonel Sanders goatee. He's yeah. standing in front of a shelf of books, and he's got that look on his face like, oh, you just walked in. I just happened to be reading, you know. A leather-bound um, volume. Ask me what I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah, he has that look on his, on his face. This tome so, is so fascinating. This tome is so fascinating. This tome that I wrote. Ask me about it. Ask me about the fascinating book I just wrote. Um, I'm making a girl in my classroom laugh, and she's almost going to spit water out her nose. I'm I'm going for that. That's yeah. That's that's an achievement. Yeah. There's yeah. boy looking at images of him. Yeah. There's some there's some ones from when he's younger, and he looks like he could have been a teacher at the school from uh, Dead Poet Society. Dude, I'm going to tell you this. When he was young, he was a handsome son of a gun. Yeah. He tried to Are you disguise at the black it, and white one that I'm looking at. Oh, it, yeah, the, the it's black almost and white. James Deeney. Yep, that's you James Deeney. But then yeah, then there's the one uh there's the one where he's got the blazer and the open collar shirt and yeah, he just he looks very uh it's like rakish. Yeah, young yeah. young chic academic. Uh yeah, yeah. He's You know, he looks This guy was the he looks way better this, without facial This guy was the cool hair. professor. Yeah. He was the cool professor at like whatever small college he taught at back then. Yeah, probably a college that used to be a women's college and is now like a very liberal, um, you know, left-leaning, they put out all sorts of activists college. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like what was the name of that college in the in the NCAA tournament? They were like the last team. Radford. Yes. Like, I bet he teaches at Radford. Or they have like an equestrian team and like a tea service every afternoon at 3.30. And you can tell he's that kind of professor because all of these have, have – He's either really dashingly dressed or he has an open collar shirt that's got like it's wide open. It's not just like the top button unbuttoned. It's like he's showing a little bit of chest. Like you can see sternum. You know what I mean? You can you can totally there's sternum visible. There's a you keep scrolling. There's one of him uh, wielding a like a a Nordic battle axe. Looks like he's ready to cleave someone's head. Um, Yeah. I like this guy more and more the more I uh, – the more I, I – Dude, if you're Tom Eagleton, you know how to wield a battle axe. I mean that's just part and parcel with what you do. Yeah, you, you, know? you go out and do all sorts – like you go out to the uh, you know the, the forest preserve on the weekends where people are all dressed up like knights and fighting and, and you do it as yeah. research for your historical novels. Dude, you go to – what do you call those things? Renaissance festivals. Renaissance fairs. Yeah, he, he actually yeah. jousts. Dude, he's, he's sitting in a little Renaissance Fair situation on the weekends. Yeah, I'm looking at this Getty Images shot with the like the severely open collar. Yeah. And is that a situation where like the shirt is just not robust enough to to sort of hold up when you've when you've got a couple of buttons undone? I or it's just like one of those spread collars. You know, I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah but I mean, it like it fell way, way open. It's a. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, the the expression bold. on his face says he's not shy about it. He knows exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a that's a you know what's up photo. He knows sure. what's up. So has, Piper, has anybody I'm, in the room with you been to a Renaissance fair? I feel the need to ask. Raise your hand if you've been to a Renaissance fair. This oh is my an gosh, audio medium. I need I need verbal responses. I'm like the only dude without my hand up right now. They've all been to Renaissance. Tristan hasn't been to one either. So okay, well, I failed as a parent. One of them has the probably I, seen Con Eggleton joust. Jousting, wielding a battle axe, you yeah, know. Winning dude, the, can the I, can melee. I, can I admit something to you? And I want to I want to hear your take on this. I have always low key wanted to go to a Renaissance fair, but I feel like because I'm a certain kind of person that's like like they would know I'm an imposter. You know what I mean? I would walk in and they'd look at me and they'd be like they reject me. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a fear of rejection kind of deal that I'm looking at vis a vis Renaissance fairs. All you have to do is grab a stein and carry it around, and they'll be like, okay, he's welcome. You know, just yeah. I think so, or a kilt. If you could wear a kilt. Here's what we should do. We should go to a Renaissance fair together as research for the program. I I will consider that 
if and only if uh, we, a we can get Ronnie here for it too because I I need to see Ronnie at a Renaissance fair. That would be fantastic. And uh, I feel like he'd have the wardrobe for it. Just saying. Are they are they heavy on jackets at the Renaissance Fair? They're really heavy on jackets. Right. There's a lot of jackets and a lot of like crushed velvet happening. And so if we like can he's... also agree to attend the NFL draft when it is held in Nashville next year. Oh, dude, I'm there. Tristan and I are there for sure. That's right. a that's that's a go, 100. percent So, so if, if we can do that, then we can agree to visit a Renaissance Fair. Dude, you know what other like super nerdy thing I, I've always also low key wanted to do, and I want to I want to get your interest in this too. Um, I've wanted to like do the civil war reenacting. Have you ever been to one of those where the guys dress or participate in it? Like participate. I want to put on like a, like one of those wool uniforms and carry a musket and I want to die in battle. Is that like scale one to 10? How weird is that for you to hear uh, me say? I think it's like a six and a half. Yeah. Do you have any interest in doing that? Uh, observing. I'd say moderate interest, participating, no, no, no not really. But not judgmental, just sort of. Yeah, me not neither. Interested. I was just kidding. <laughs> no, I get it. I I'm get not, it. No, this like I'm not sitting. I would mock you if I was if I thought it was ridiculous. You know this. I would I would happily no, make no, fun I of know. you. But uh, I know. But no, it's just not something that I'm like. Those uniforms just look really uncomfortable. They do, and it's always like 94 degrees, and they're in those wool uniforms. I'd like to do it in the fall. I'd like to do it in like November where it's crisp and cool. And, yeah, uh, if I'm going to wear nine layers of wool, can it be sub 40 degrees outside? <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, Piper, I am reading two things, um, one of which is Jeff Perlman's biography of Brett Favre. Um, I don't know. Gunslinger? I know you like Perlman. Yeah, Gunslinger. Have you read that one? I haven't. I have such mixed feelings about Brett Favre. Well, that's not true. I just hate Brett Favre. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah. why I said no, mixed I really feelings. Like the only mix is it's just a mix of bitterness and poison. Um, so, no, <laughs> I haven't read that one. Interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I've just started it. But, you know, we talked about Jeff Perlman, I think, on the sports pod. In the, Like, I wouldn't call him an amazing writer. Like, his sentences are not, you know, memorable. Like, his style isn't memorable. But he's just, like, relentless in terms of getting interviews, archiving everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's his biographies are always really exhaustive. And uh, I appreciate that about them. But he turns like every sports biography into like a presidential biography. You know, <laughs> it's like the kind of treatment you get if you've done like two terms in office, sure. except, you know, you just play quarterback in the league. But when he, um, come, when he comes out with his when he comes out with his four volume Tom Brady set, we'll know that he's jumped the shark. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah. But I will read all four volumes. <laughs> I know, won't. For sure. Um the other thing I'm reading is uh, a Jonathan Franzen essay collection. So I've started like round two of trying to like Jonathan Franzen. I think we talked about how I bailed on uh, his novel. Um, well, you spoke about- really highly of it on the podcast. And then I think you texted me later and were like, uh, actually, it got a little porny. Maybe I shouldn't uh, have said such Dude, nice did. things. It got about really it. like filthy in the, in the back third of it. So I bailed on it. And uh, now I'm reading his essays and the, and the essays aren't amazing. Um, there's some interesting stuff in there about Wallace because he and Wallace were best friends and I have a, I have a Wallace man crush, but, uh, but yeah, otherwise, you know, it's not, um, it's not, it's not lighting me up. I think writing essays is like its own distinct skill set. So as good as he is at writing fiction and creating these worlds and characters, I think, um, you know, maybe fiction and nonfiction are, are pretty separate skills. Yeah, those, Those seem like entirely different skills. It's like the difference between being able to grill a good steak and like make a quiche or a pie. Like those are not, they're not even <laughs> remotely similar. Dude, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. That's a very true statement. 
Uh, but Pipe, our, our time is running short. I have only eight minutes left here uh, with my class before we have to move on. So I want to get to another topic. And this one is intriguing to me. Um, the topic is this. The question is this. Why have pastors started to care so much about fitness? So you look at these guys now. These guys all have personas. They all have like Instagrams. They're all like super jacked and steroidal and like hormonal looking. They've all got the huge traps. They're all wearing open collared shirts, but not in the same way as Con Igledon. <laughs> like Con Igledon kind of embraces his dad bod. You know what I mean? Like he's got the open collar and you're not seeing like any traps or clavicle. You're just sort of seeing like, you know, flesh. the aggregate. It's of, just flesh. Of, yeah. You're, you're just seeing a lot of casseroles, you know, a, a <laughs> lifetime of casseroles. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of sausages at the Renaissance Fair. But these pastors, man, a lot of these guys, like they open their collar and you're seeing like like traps. You know what I mean? So why is this? Why are these pastors like so public about being so jacked? I I don't know. It's one of the it. I I uh, I alternate between finding it really really amusing and yeah. really really annoying. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, there's like hashtags for like fit pastor, and I'm like that. That's the. That's the dumbest thing. Um, That's so the dumbest thing. <laughs> like, why do you care if your pastor like bench presses Buicks? Nobody cares. Well, right? I, I feel like it's a it's. I feel like two things feed it. One of it, one of them started off right and then got crazy, and it's sort of the overcorrection to like uh, the the fat pastor, the like just mm -hmm. the the guy who's he'll rail against drinking or against whatever, but he's clearly a glutton. Um, uh -huh. and so it's sort of like moving towards that. And then the recognition that physical health helps with mental and emotional health. And so just sort of, you know, that, that kind of thing, I'm like, okay, there's, there's benefit there. But then it, it got, it gets crazy when it becomes social media driven. Like, I think, yeah. I don't care how, like if a pastor wants to be a marathon runner or a weightlifter, or like, that's a thing that he does to help his, his life and his body be healthier. Good for him. Uh, I don't care about it on your Instagram feed. I don't need to see you doing the, you know, bench presses. I don't need to see you doing CrossFit. I don't care about the Whipping whole 30. Uh, unless yeah. you're Ronnie, then we'll ask you about it every single week. Um, yeah, scrawny. Right. But Ronnie's scrawny not into heart. fitness. He's into scrawniness. Those are two Dude, right. very He's, different He has things. no interest in fitness. None. Like he, he couldn't walk from one end of this room to the other without like passing out. He just wants to be scrawny. And I... And, and I think the only reason he cares about like the whole 30 is because he knows the alternative is for him to eat every donut within reach because he loves those things. So, um, right. but yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing. It's, it's almost like it's a new qualification for a legit pastor who's under 45. Like you can't be trusted right. unless you look like Carl Lentz. Like if you're under 45 and your church is bigger than 200 people, like you have to have abs, you have to be jacked. And dude, here's my issue with it. My issue with it is as a pastor, I think you need to play it really coy and cagey about letting people know really how much free time you have and how not busy you are. You know what I mean? Because I mean, all these workout pictures and all these workout like Instagrams, mm -hmm. what it's really telling people is I'm not that busy. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not at the office while you're at the office. Right. Well, you're at the office. You're going like, you know, eight to five with some stuff in the evening so that you can write your tithe check. And I'm like, you know, flipping tractor tires at two thirty in the afternoon. Right. And so like, I, yeah, I've got a shit. I've got a one thirty CrossFit class while you're talking. You know, over budget spreadsheets. Um, yeah. No, don't worry. I'm not bitter to anyone. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it's, exactly. I, I think I think that's I think there's I think there's something to it as well where I think so. Well, I was in I was in Cuba a couple of weeks ago and was talking to some of the people there, you know, church leaders there, and uh, and they, you know, I was just kind of asking them about about fitness and health and whatever because I was like I haven't seen anybody exercise since I got here. Like nobody's jogging around the streets of yeah. Pinar del Rio where we were, and they were like, "Oh yeah, fitness is a thing until you get married, especially for pastors." Interesting. Because they interesting. They, they said the opinion in a lot of the churches there, uh, if you were a pastor who's married, who's working really hard to be fit, people would be like, Who are you trying to impress? Like it's like you're putting oh. yourself on the market. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on in the American church. Simply because and the the person I was talking to made a really good point. They was like they're like, if you're if you're a pastor, you get hit on all the time. You know, Dude, really, pastors get hit on all the time, even if they don't realize. Like, just this is news to me. Maybe it's not hit on in terms of like a straight up flirtatious thing, but like there are emotionally vulnerable people of the opposite uh, gender who are just flocking to you. Some yeah, of sure. them have more, uh, you know, sexual intentions than others. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So if you're somebody who's going out of your way to be exceptionally good looking, are you mm-hmm. creating problems? And I don't know. I'm sure somebody's going to roll their eye. A lot of people are rolling their eyes right now because there's also a lot of benefit in being good looking for the person you're married to. There's that, right. that's a good thing. So it's a. Uh, but I thought I just thought it was an interesting insight and an interesting cultural difference. Where they're like, no, if we get a little older and a little fatter, that's not a bad thing at all. Dude, I kind of dig that. I kind of respect that, man. Everybody in America is so like freaked out about health and stuff. Like nobody just like kind of has fun living their life anymore, you know. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of respect it. Um, but the, the whole like attractiveness thing is so interesting because I feel like in, in so many areas, areas of like church life, it's like, we want to be good looking, but not too good looking, or we want to have like wealth, but not too much wealth, you know? So there's, yeah, you, there's you always look this, like, like you have it together, but not like you have it all. It's this, yeah. Not like you're a male model, you know, not that either uh-huh. of us have to worry about that. So not, I guess, oh. I guess we can't, I guess we can't ever be mega church pastors. You or I speak for yourself, Piper. <laughs> you haven't seen me lately. Cause I'm not on social media. I might look super hot. Well, if you're not you on know? social media, it doesn't count. It only counts if you're working out and posting it on social media. You actually burn more calories when you post to Instagram. You do. Yeah. That's, that's been scientifically proven. Yep, it math. doesn't matter how hot I am if I'm just like keeping it a secret. Um, yeah, if a tree falls in like the forest keep... and no one hears it, it doesn't even matter if it made noise. And if you're good looking and nobody can see you on social media, it really doesn't matter. I'll tell you what I look hot on, and this is all that matters to me: my horse picture. So the picture that Megan <laughs> that Tennant drew me on a horse. Yep. I look super hot on that, and my three-piece suit, and that's all I need. Anim- so, animated look. Ted looks better than than really real Ted. Animated cartoon Ted on the back of a horse in a three-piece suit looks super hot, and that's all I care about. So that's enough for me. If I was on social media, I would just I would repost that every day. How uncomfortable uh, is Tristan right now? Uh, very. Yeah, he's extremely uncomfortable. I'm just imagining <laughs> sitting there while my father talked about how hot he was in a cartoon, and I, I feel like I, I too, <laughs> would have been very uncomfortable. John Piper doesn't often talk about how hot he is in a cartoon. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. I, shocker, I know. Uh, enter the <laughs> don't, don't waste wa- your life. I was going to say, enter the, the don't waste your cartoon jokes now. I love it. I love it. I know it, man. 
And Piper, we have uh, we have done what we always do on this program, which is wander to and fro throughout these topics. And because of the various technical snafus that we've had with uh, with with Ashland, Ohio Internet and uh, and backwater Alabama Internet, um, our time has drawn to a close. So we've got a little mini app. This is a little miniature episode. So we may have to uh, we may have to get back in the studio and do a sports app later this week to give people uh, the full bang for their buck. Um which is no buck at all because this is pre-entertainment for them. But. Unless unless they go on Patreon and actually support us, in which case their dollars are actually like we, we actually owe them something for their dollars. Ooh, a little and, a little Patreon plug, I like it. And so this we is, still we could still use uh, additional support. So listeners, you can find the link at happyrantpodcast.com and uh, our show notes. And so give us a, give us a couple bucks every month, and we would love you even more. Dude, seamless. Yeah, you could purchase our affection. That's, that's really yeah, how this works. Absolutely. That's it's how affection works. It's conditional love. That's how love works, really, in the radio business. But um, yeah, this has been good, Pipe. It's been a lot of fun. And honestly, the internet has worked better than I thought. So uh, I'm going to sign off now because we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.